Good morning, good morning, good morning. And I tell you what, I, I just feel the presence of the Lord, and it's a really precious and sacred thing to have God's presence. Um, and I, I'm pretty excited to preach this morning. So Leviticus chapter 23 is where I'm going to start off at. Now, uh, we're in the moment, uh, which means I don't really have an emphasis for the series of messages uh, which, which is a bit challenging for me. Like, I like to have things in rhythm and on course and lined up, but I do have something just stirring in my spirit today, and today is uh, what's known as Pentecost Sunday, um, which, you know, I've always heard but never actually taught on the subject, and I just felt very strongly impressed to, to highlight it for us this morning. Leviticus chapter 23, I want to read verse 15 and 16, and then I want to pray. Here's what the Bible says, that you shall count for yourselves from the day... After the Sabbath, from the day that you were brought, that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. He said, Count fifty days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this this wonderful morning, we are thanking you for your presence. And I just pray for a word in season that would stir us up, that would excite us. Lord, I thank you for eyes to see, ears to hear, and we pray for the Spirit of God to penetrate hearts and minds, open us up to receive what the Bible has for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Last weekend was Memorial Day weekend, and uh, my wife preached last week. Good job, Elizabeth. I was sure grateful for that. Um, And, you know, I think the Memorial Day holiday uh, might just be my favorite holiday of the year. Um, First of all, it's our anniversary around that time. School gets out. Everything's green. We go graveside and visit my grandfather and and relatives, and I I just kind of enjoy that day. Now, in the Bible, sacred holidays were big deals, and it was uh, sort of like the centerpiece of their society. And what Leviticus 23 is, is actually a calendar of the Jewish holidays, the feasts, and you know, it's rich with symbolism. It's got so many nuggets in it. When it says in the 16th verse to count 50 days, somebody say 50, 50 days after the seventh Sabbath, that is when they had the Feast of Weeks, or Passover, or uh, Pentecost. 50 days after the Passover feast, that is when Pentecost came. Uh, That's the Feast of Weeks. So 50 days after Passover is this Pentecost feast. Now, Passover, as you probably know, is like the Easter season. So you've got Easter and Passover uh, there's unleavened bread and the feast of first fruits, and these things happen all within a week. And if you want to be technical about it, actually Pentecost came right after the first fruits when they waved the sheave offering. And, and so this this is a holiday that's more like you know in the summer season or this beginning of the summer. Leviticus 23 is a chapter that's dedicated entirely to the calendars and the holidays that actually kept their culture intact. You know when. The Jewish people went into captivity in, in Babylon, uh, and even as they've been dispersed throughout all, out the world recently, the one thing that's kept the culture together and their Jewish identity is the fact that they keep things like the Sabbath, which is listed in Leviticus 23, and they have these feasts and holidays that people will celebrate, and it's served its purpose to kind of keep that culture together. And, you know, the great thing about the Bible is that you can't just read the Bible. You've got to read the Bible. And it's got various levels to it. So, you know, there's the plain sense 
of the scripture. If the plain sense makes sense, you should seek no other sense. I mean, it, it means what it says. It's literal. And what they would do is they'd celebrate these holidays and, and keep them. And so they had, you know, a Passover, unleavened bread. That's an actual feast. And, you know, I, I was laughing because when we went to Israel, I was with Pastor David, and he noticed they had a convenience store there. It was called 24 6. 24 hours a day, six days a week, because the Sabbath day, nobody does anything in Israel. I don't know if you've ever been to Israel in a holiday season. I mean, it is a zoo. And, and they are, you know, celebrating. It's really a wonderful thing. But when you look at the Bible, it has this plain practical sense, but it also has deeper senses, what we could call the prophetic sense. And in one sense, all of the feasts that are recorded in Leviticus 23 have been fulfilled in the person of Jesus. For instance, we just celebrate the Passover season, you know, unleavened bread, Passover, and first fruits, and it lines up perfectly with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And all the symbolism is right there. And, and this fall, Lord willing, I'm going to get to the fall feasts. And we're going to be highlighting the Feast of Trumpets. Uh, we're going to talk about the Day of Atonement. Uh, and, and those things have not yet been fulfilled on God's calendar. It's a very interesting study. It's almost like the calendars that they had in their day give us a foreshadowing of what is to come. But today, what I want to highlight for you is this feast in the middle, which is Pentecost. You know, the word Pentecost, it literally just means 50. It's a numbering system. So in verse 16, when he said count 50 days, that is the word for Pentecost. And if you look at that, you know, phrase right there in the cross transcripts of your Bible, it is going to take you to Acts chapter 2. And I'd like you to go with me this morning to the second chapter of Acts. And what I want to do for you is talk to you about what happened on the day of Pentecost. The church was born, the church of the living God, which... Uh, required the Holy Spirit in dynamic ways to move. So, you know, I'm going to talk to you about the five ways I found in Scripture that the Holy Spirit works, and this is kind of the way that Pentecost plays out. You know, the Holy Spirit is at work in the world today. He is at work uh, in churches, and He's at work in your life personally. And so when the church was birthed, we see that this person, the Holy Spirit, started really being active and working with people directly in the Bible. You'd see it in the scripture where he'd come upon a man or a prophet or a king that was anointed, but here what we're going to see is that it came upon uh, the believers. And, and that tells us that what we have today in the new covenant is so much greater than what they experienced under the old covenant. Now, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. He said, when the day of Pentecost, that, that's the feast that they're celebrating 50 days after the first fruits, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, it says they were all with one accord and in one place. Now, when I read the verse here and I read this phrase, one accord and one place, what it tells me is the first way that the Holy Spirit works. And that is that he uses unity. He works through unity. And when it says they were in one accord, that does not mean that they were in a Honda. That's the old joke that we had growing up. You know, he wasn't driving, they weren't driving around in, in Honda cars. Uh, what it means is that they had harmony in their thoughts, in their one heart, one mind. They were united together. There was a tremendous spirit of unity that existed, and they happened to all be in one place in the upper room. You know, unity is, is something that matters to God. He fashioned himself as a triune being with three distinct 
personalities that form the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together in one. So he's united in everything that he does. And the thing about unity that makes it so incredible is, is it really creates an anointing that brings breakthroughs. Now, the reason that it's so strong and the reason that the Lord, it pleases him, is because it's a beautiful thing to behold. Uh, it, it's, it, it's like so rare that it makes it valuable. Unity is, is one of those things that it's, it's like when uh, diamonds are put together on a ring and it's fashioned together and everything is in its place and fits together. And there's just something about how when things are ran properly and there's unity, it's, such, it's so beautiful. Unity is one of those things that's also very productive. You know, the 133rd Psalm says that uh, it's a good thing when brethren dwell together in unity. It pleases God. It, it's fruitful. It's like dew on Mount Hermon, which means that it's, it's going to bear fruit. It's going to water the earth. It, it also speaks of it like the anointing that runs down the beard of Aaron and his garments. And so it, it's a fruitful thing. If you are wondering why your home may not be fruitful or why your life or your job doesn't feel like it's bearing fruit, it could be that there's disunity, disharmony. Things aren't really operating the way that they need to be. That, that might actually be the problem. It, it's a lack of unity. Unity is a protective barrier. You know, when, when you're united, it's like you can fend off attacks of the enemy. And, and because it's one of those things that is protected and protective, it's often attacked. And so you actually have to protect it yourself. You have to fight for it. And unity is one of those things in a home, in a marriage, in a church that is worth fighting for. There's a reason the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 that you have to make every effort to maintain unity in the bond of peace because it is so important in the things that God wants to accomplish. I found out that uh, in order for unity to really happen, you can't be in a rush. Now, sometimes I just live in a certain pace where it's like, man, I get caught up and I'm, I'm in a rush with things. I, uh, but these 120 were gathered together waiting 40 days after Jesus' appearance. His last appearance was in the 10th day. Uh, of his resurrection, and they waited 40 days until the day of Pentecost in one accord in unity when the Spirit of God blew into the place that they were at. They had to wait for it. There's something about being united in that that is, is crucial. You know, I, I really do believe that we've got a really wonderful united church here, man. We, we got very little drama for a church, praise God. We've got people that are friends sit together. We've got people that have been on staff for multiple years, half years, Together, I mean, David and Daniel have been here since we started the church. That's, that's an incredible thing to have. There's a tremendous amount of unity. And what God does in moments is like that is he uses that unity. He'll use it to breathe something fresh and do something new. Now, let me give you a, uh, a second thing here. I want the, the second way the Holy Spirit works. Look at verse number two. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly it says there came a sound from heaven. Now, I, I couldn't get past the word suddenly. and if Because here, here's why. This is the way that God does things, and it is a mystery, that he comes suddenly. He uses unity, but he does things in quick, unexpected, sudden circumstances. It, it, and I'll tell you something. God specializes in suddenlies. Malachi chapter 3. Suddenly it says the Lord will come to his temple. I read, uh, we studied the gospel of Mark a few 
uh, months ago, remember in the Easter season, and the key word in Mark is the word immediately, which is used 43 times. Whether it's Jesus going into the wilderness or people getting healed or however it happened, I mean, it's, it's like the Holy Spirit's activity, immediately things would take place. You know, I was um, teaching at Teen Challenge this week with some of the men up there, and we were studying the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 1. It says that these things will shortly take place, talking about the end times. And that word shortly means that when they happen, they're going to happen in quick succession like a snowball. Suddenly, things are going to happen. That's what the Bible says the last days will be like a thief in the night, sudden. And I have to tell you, this is probably one of the most frustrating things that I know about God, is that he's at work while you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting. It seems like all you ever do is wait, and suddenly, he shows up and does something. I mean, it's like, wow, it's... Here's what I found out about being ready for a sudden situation or, or how to process or handle when something happens suddenly. There's two things, there's two conditions your heart has to have. Your heart, first of all, has to be prepared for suddenly to take place. There's a great verse in the book of Chronicles about one of my favorite kings, King Jehoshaphat. And a seer, a prophet, showed up and gave him a word And he said, God will preserve you because you have prepared your heart to seek the Lord. And if your heart is in the right place, if you've been seeking him, if you've been studying the scriptures, if you've been waiting on him, if your heart is right, if it's prepared, that's when you can handle sudden situations, sudden breakthroughs, sudden things that are unexpected. That's when God will do it. You know, I had a cousin, and he ended up marrying uh, this woman and I remember we did it in the church. It was several years ago, my cousin Mike. And I remember it was sudden. I preached a sermon that week on suddenly. Those two had gotten engaged. Everyone was like, wow, that happened suddenly. But it was because hearts were prepared. When your heart has been prepared, you'll be able to handle sudden situations. Another thing that has to happen in your heart for suddenlies to take place is it has to be willing. There has to be a level of flexibility that happens. So when that sudden thing happens, you're willing to go with it. You know, I'll never forget last year we went on a camping trip with my friend evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth. I love Ted. He is a fireball. And his wife wanted to come camping. And I thought the two of them were some jokers from Florida who didn't really know anything about camping. So we got up there, and by the second day, she said, hey, I want to stay another night or two. And uh, I, I really wasn't prepared. I had to run in town to get food. And she asked what I thought. And I said, well, uh, if I'm not mistaken... Uh, Scripture says, blessed are the flexible, for they shall be stretched. (laughs) So if you're going to handle sudden situations, you're going to have to be flexible in the moment. you got to be ready when those things happen. I'm here to tell you this morning that you should not be surprised when suddenly happens up in this church. Yeah, I'm telling you, God has spoken to us, and the days that we're living in demand it, there will come a time when sudden manifestations of the Holy Spirit take place, and it will surprise you and shock you. And and I'm telling you, he's going to move in the world that way. Don't be surprised when you get promoted at your job. Don't be surprised when good things happen. Don't be surprised when God decides to bless you in an unusual and unexpected manner. It's the nature of what he does. You better be ready when suddenly happens, because this is the way he comes. He comes in sudden moments. He'll visit your home suddenly. Then when you don't expect it, that's what he does. It's the way he works. He works suddenly. Now, here, here's a, a third way that the Holy Spirit works. And I'm, I'm in uh, the second verse still. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, 
And the Bible says it filled the whole house where they were sitting. This is the way the Holy Spirit works. He breathes on you. He breathes the wind of God. Wind is one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit. And there's several symbols of the Holy Spirit in the Scripture. Actually, you know, I'm going to cover about three of them today. One of the symbols that I'm not going to highlight today is the symbol of the dove. You know, that represents the Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus when he was baptized. Here it says the wind came as a rushing, mighty wind, but like a strong hurricane force. That's what people heard on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't the sound of people praying in tongues that drew them into that building. It was the sound of a wind that swept through there. And the, the word for wind in the Old Testament is the ruach of God. It's, it's, it's his wind. And from Genesis 2 and verse 7, when God breathed the breath of life into Adam, until John 20 and verse 22, when Jesus breathed into his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has been at work in the world. He is working. He works in the breeze. Now, the thing about breezes, sometimes a breeze is gentle. I like gentle breezes. And, you know, uh, I was thinking back about camping trips. And I found myself last year uh, on a hot July night at a campground with a full moon. And everyone had been put to bed, which is no small task in the work household. And I just decided to go kind of walk the campground in the cool of the evening. And I felt a breeze blowing on me. Man, that was refreshing and wonderful. And what, what, this breath of the wind of God here reminds me of is the personal nature of the Holy Spirit. That he's got a personal way of handling you, of dealing with you, and he'll breathe on you with, with just reassuring and comforting breath of air that will help just encourage you in life, man. There's something beautiful about that. Here, however, says it was a rushing, mighty wind. Sometimes the wind blows in a very powerful way, as you know. It's unstoppable, it's dynamic, it's irresistible. And I'm telling you, there's moments when the Holy Spirit might just knock you out. Knock you, oh, I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments. He shows up in great ways, turns you upside down, does something unexpected, and just blows right on top of you. It's the wind of God in a powerful, unique way. It's his breath, he's at work. In fact, the Bible says he'll destroy the armies of the Antichrist with the breath of his nostrils. He's just going to breathe over the top of them. I did take a camping trip one time where we had so much wind, we almost got killed. Because, you know, they cut down all the trees in the campground. And that night, there happened to be a storm. Our pop-up just about got destroyed. That's the re After that storm, we came home and bought a hard-sided camper. You remember that? Because we looked across the campground. You know what we saw? We saw an orange tent that was a tent at night, but in the morning, there was nothing left. And a man crawled out of it. Worst night of his life. Out there in the tent. <laughs> you know, when wind blows, that's how you tell when something's alive. Because you see the leaves moving on trees, and you can tell that that tree is alive. Or you see wheat in a field, and when the wind is blowing, you can tell the wheat is alive because it might move in the wind like it's bowing over. But I do see tares every now and again. You know what tares are? They look like wheat, but when the wind blows, they don't ever bend over. And I'm telling you, man, you got some people, you can tell if they're alive or not, because when the Spirit of God starts moving, they, they just sit up and stare. They don't know how to move when the Holy Spirit moves. Because there, there might be a deadness in there, a dryness in there. I mean, here they were on the day of Pentecost looking like a bunch of clowns, and they did not care because the Holy Spirit was at work. Yeah. 
When, when the wind blows on you, it's like his guidance, like the, like the sail on a ship. And what he's doing is moving you in the right direction. He's kind of pushing you along. And I've always found when the Spirit of God is, is breathing on me, what he's doing is directing me away from sin, out of wicked behavior. He'll never lead me or guide me to look at something I shouldn't. My conscience will convict me. Or when I've said something nasty to my wife, I have to say I'm sorry because the wind of the Lord is blowing. He will direct you away from sin in your life. He'll take away things that are like chaff. You know how the chaff in the Bible is? They'd gather the wheat and then they'd crush it and they'd get the grain and they'd have the chaff, the excess parts. And the way they would get rid of chaff, they'd bring it out and put it like on a, like almost like a trampoline and they'd kind of spray it up in the air on a windy day and the wind would blow the chaff away. And the, the grain, the stuff that was heavy enough, it would fall back. That's what the wind of God will do in your life. It'll blow out excess things of the flesh, things you shouldn't be engaging in, sinful behavior. It just moves it out. This is the breath of God at work. And and this is what he does in our lives. He wants to to breathe in a fresh and dynamic way in your life. You know he's at work when he's breathing on you, when you can sense him. Now, let me give you number four here, and I'm on the third verse. It says that there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. I like how the original translation says cloven tongues of fire. I don't even know what the word cloven means, but it sounds cool. Cloven tongues of fire sat on each one of them. Here's the thing I've discovered about the way the Holy Spirit works. He uses unity. He does things suddenly. He breathes on you. But I'm telling you, he will refine you with fire. The fire of God has this ability to burn things away. And he is this purifying process. Scripture says you've refined us as silver is refined in the fire. And the longer I've walked with God, I have experienced moments where he's done this. Uh, that, that fire, that heat, has this ability to burn and refine, take things out of your life. It, it, it's where a deep work can be done. A deep work. And this is what the Holy Spirit will do in your life when you have him on the inside of you. Uh, he, he's going to refine things. He, he'll, he'll purify your motives. You know, I, the longer that I am in the ministry, the more pure I feel like my motives become. Now, I, I remember starting out when we were 25 on, on the cons crazy thing. And when you're 25, you really don't have a full grasp on, on the concepts of life and what's driving you and pushing you. And Man, I have felt over the years of doing it, that the longer I've served him through, through afflictions, through trials, through difficult things, it, it's like man, my heart gets more and more pure for the things of God. Th- that's all I can say about longevity is it's this, this walk that I'm on and, and things get purified in my life. Yeah. The, the fire of God is something that has this ability to temper your personality. It, it, it's like... Uh, It'll burn certain characteristics away, burn things off your life. I think about Daniel, Shadrach, no, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. And you remember that they were thrown into the fiery furnace. They went through a fiery trial. But while they're in the fire, the clothes wouldn't burn, their hair wasn't scorched, they didn't smell like smoke. The only thing that got burned off was the ropes on their hands, the things that held them back, the bondages that are there. Because 
Scripture says that the God that we serve is a God of jealousy and fire. And, and, and he's a jealous God and is a spirit of judgment and burning. That's Isaiah 4.4. 4. And what he likes to do is burn bondages out of your life, things that hold you back so you can run free, so you can experience who he is. He, he, he will never stop working to burn and purify things out of your life. It's the process of sanctification that sometimes takes trials and problems and frustrations to do that. But his fire will deliver you if you'll let him work. And also, we should be reminded that your work one day eternally is going to be tested by fire. You're going to have to give an account one day. And 1 Corinthians 3 says, you know, what is wood, hay, and stubble is going to be burned, and what is gold is going to be tested. It says, if any man's work endures, he will receive a reward. That fire is going to determine the motives behind what you did, the purity of it. Was it for God or was it for yourself? And I think some of you will be quite surprised on that day when you stand before him to find out that not everybody's work is going to endure. You might find preachers whose work gets burned up and little grandmas who are praying for grandchildren who get gold and crowns and jewels in them because that's what God does. Now, I did lie earlier. I do know what cloven means. Cloven means independent. The flame of fire appeared on each one of them. And what that means is this is a flame with your name on it. There's something personal about the Holy Spirit and the way he wants to work with you and the fires that he brings through your life and the stuff that he does in you. And it might be different than what other people go through, but he is at work and he's purifying and he wants you to be a pure vessel so you'll be fruitful on his behalf. This is just the way the Holy Spirit works. The symbol of fire is at work burning out sin, burning out impurities and refining things in your life so you can stand up in that day. He's a refiner's fire at work. Let me give you the last one here. And I'm in uh, I'm in this. Actually, uh, I'm in the 17th verse. The last one here. He said, It shall come to pass in the last days, says God. He's quoting the book of Joel. I will pour out. Somebody say, pour out. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy, young men shall see visions and old men shall dream dreams and it's going to be poured out in my men servants and my maid servants before the coming of the day of the Lord. You know, th this last one that I want to highlight is the symbol of rain. That the rain of the Holy Spirit. And what it tells me is that he wants to refresh you with rain. Man, I love May and June in Montana because it might be the only time of the year where we get a little moisture. <laughs> and it's been great, man, to have the windows open at night and to have rain come through, and you can smell it coming. And I love the smell of rain. It's very refreshing. Boy, it, it just kind of makes me happy. I, I mean, I love to see everything green. And, you know, rain is truly refreshing. And if you've ever been in drought, like we had last summer, or dryness, uh, you need to be refreshed. You need the refreshing touch of the Holy Spirit. Just because you need to be refreshed does not mean that you've been backslid. That means you drifted away from God. It just means that you might have been out laboring in a field and you're hot and you might need a cool drink on a hot day. Kind of like when your grass is in the sun and that grass needs to be watered for it to stay green and alive. It's refreshing. Because what I've seen about rain is it can literally bring dead things back to life. It can bring restoration where you thought there was loss. I mean, I, I've had trees or shrubs 
that I thought were dead. No way is that thing coming back to life, but a good rainstorm and some water on it, and suddenly it comes back to life. Man, I, I just recently saw this with a friend of mine. This guy called me up, and he said, I need you to baptize my son. I hadn't talked to him since high school. And as last I knew, he wasn't serving God at all. I mean, like, you know, he'd been arrested. He was in trouble. He'd moved on to Denver. And so they called me. They wanted me to do a baptism. And it turns out, you know, he, he'd gotten right with the Lord. He's getting his kid in church. And the whole time, my friend was just crying, tearing up. You know, and I was like, Dirk, man, what, what has gotten into you? And it, it, it's like he got refreshed by the Holy Spirit. He was at work. It's just what Elizabeth read in Psalm 84. You, you might go through the valley of weeping, the valley of Baca, but there's going to be pools in the desert. That, that's from the pouring out of rain. When you read the verse, he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. That's not an abstract word. It's a specific reference Peter's quoting. He's talking about the former and the latter rain. Those are Bible terms used in the Old Testament. The, the former rain and the latter rain. It, it had to do with the harvest cycles, just like the feast cycles. And the the Jews, you know, their calendar switches over in October of the year. So the latter rain is actually the fall rains. And the, 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 or the former rains the la, is the, in the fall, and the latter rain is the spring. Just the opposite of what you would think. The latter rain is, is the thing that brings in the harvest. And what Peter is saying is it's going to rain in the fields and on the people of God so that it can give you hope for the harvest that's coming in. That's what Peter's saying is going to happen. It happened in his day, and the scripture says it will happen before the coming of the day of the Lord. And it got me fired up last night, because I think there's a whole generation of people that have not experienced a fresh Pentecost. Like, we, we, got, we got old charismatics that have experienced things, but you got a young generation that's never experienced the fire of God in a powerful way. I got so fired up the other night, because I had the Lord visit me. I was speaking with a minister friend of mine have in a dream. I was talking to him. And we were talking about what God was doing. And I kept trying to introduce him to my 98-year-old grandma. I said, you got to meet my grandma. And I, I found grandma. You know, grandma went through charismatic renewal. She was a Lutheran. She was staunch. She did not believe in crazy the activity. of. The, and one day in her living room, man, she got filled with the Holy Spirit, had a vision of Jesus on the cross and his blood on her. She went on a, I mean... She went on an evangelistic rampage, getting all her friends filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you that that is what God is going to do again in his church. Man, I'm telling you, that's what he wants to do. That's his heart. Because in the dream, I was like, you got to meet grandma because what God did then, he's going to do again. Oh, got me fired up. Man, you know that George Whitfield preached the first great awakening. And George Whitfield said that people in America in the colonies in the early 1700s were so sinful, they were getting drunk and sleeping in pig styles. and I mean, it was impossible. He thought there's no way in this spiritual condition God could move. And we had a great awakening. I'd say the time we're living in is really sort of like a bizarre moment. I mean, things are through the roof. Society's going crazy. People can't define what women are anymore. And it reminds me of a moment like in the 1960s. It was in that time when God breathed charismatic renewal. It was in that time when the Jesus people movement occurred. And I'm just, I, I know something about God. His mercies are great. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And it gives me hope to think about what God can do. Man, that's what, we need a fresh move of Pentecost. And some of you are sitting back, no idea what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, ripe candidates for what God wants to do, man. Great, great things for this church. We are close to the Lord's return, and this is something he wants to do. I'm telling you, it's going to be a blast. How many of you want to pray for something fresh to happen? 
Yeah, just lift your hands up and say, Father, we want a fresh, fresh, fresh work of the Holy Spirit to turn hearts and minds, stir us up. Lord, we don't want dryness. We want fire, and we want wind, and we want rain. And, and I, <laughs> I just, man, God is good. Uh, I, I, I want to tell you all, James and Jay, I feel like the Lord is going to visit your home, man. Visit your home. Hang in there. Be faithful in prayer. And I had that same thought for you, Adam. I was watching you. I was telling you about fathering and doing you know, God is going to visit your home, brother. It, in greater ways than you've had him visit him. More powerful ways. Amen. I, I, I would love, I would love to like lay hands on people for fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. But I did have a better idea. I think what we're having today is called Promotion Sunday. So I think we're bringing children in here. And I think, is that right? Are they ready to go? I sent them back at my fifth point. So if they are not ready, we're going to be here for a while because I'm quick-winded and I don't know how to ramble. Praise God. <laughs> I mean, I would love to have that gift, but I am on point. I sent them back there. There we go. Kids are coming in here. All right. Uh, so we're inviting the children in the room. Yes, it's Pentecost Sunday, but it's also what we call Promotion Sunday. And uh, that means these kids are about to level up. They're about to go from one class to another class. I think it's so interesting that I read that God's going to pour out a spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Man, I was thinking about my own sons and daughters. So here we got kids from all the ages. I'm counting. Let's see. I see one of mine so far. We got more coming in here. Yeah. And what we want to do is we're going to highlight some of the kids that are moving from Miss Julie's class to Pastor David's class. And some of them are moving from Pastor David's class to the youth group, uh, Jeff Urso, and, and, and if he'd come on down too. We got youth group kids. and I mean, you see we got a lot of children up in here. Hey, buddy. Good to see you. And so we're going to highlight who's moving. And um, oh, yeah, have the youth come on down. Uh, who's moving up? Who's moving on? They're going to get certificates and chocolate bars. Now, what do you think is better, a certificate or a chocolate bar? That's what I thought too. If you're leveling up, you get a chocolate bar, but if, if, you, if you're not, you still get a chocolate bar. You just got to go back to the classroom when you get one. So first one we have, Elena Przinski. Where is Elena at? And she, Elena? All right. Elena is going to move from Miss Julie to Pastor David. Where's Pastor David at? Right over there. So you go over there and be with Pastor David. All right. Ah, and then we got my boy, Jalen Turnquist. Where's Jalen at? Woohoo! Yeah. All right. Uh-oh. Now we got my baby girl, Lydia Work. Where's Lydia? <laughs> and you are moving on up. Pastor David's certificate. She likes that certificate. Connor Riker. Where's Connor at? Connor, boy. Yeah, you are moving. Who are you going? You going with Julie to David? Da Jeff. You're going to Jeff. Oh, we'll be praying for him. Anyone else that we have certificates for? Is that it? Is that the certificates? All right. That's what we had today. For, so what we need to do is have them move on back. But first, David, you want to make an announcement about VBS. Yes. 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 Uh, the microphone's right down there in the front row. No, I can't. I'm up here working, but I can't sit down with you. I know. All right. So this, this uh, summer, we are actually having our very first VBS here. Actually, I guess it's our second, isn't it? It's actually no. technically our second. So we are going uh -huh. to do something a little different, though, than a standard VBS. It's going to be the Wilderness Escape, and we're actually calling it Camp Connect. And what it's going to be, it's going to be every Wednesday night. So instead of youth group, the youth are actually mostly helping out with this for this time. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have them help us out. And so Wednesday nights, 
We're going to have uh, Camp Connect. It's going to start at 6.30 to 8 o'clock. And it's going to be anyone from kindergarten all the way up to fifth grade. Uh, you guys come out. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have games. We're going to have tents. We're going to have costumes. We're going to have uh, lots of fun stuff to do. So please come on out. It's going to be Wednesday nights. Only Wednesday nights. It's going to be four in a row starting June 22nd. So just four in a row. Wednesday nights, 6.30. Come on out. We're going to have a good time. So a lot of people, a lot of games, a lot of fun. So. I, oh, yes. I want to brag on Pastor David. Because my, ki my kids were like, you know, I was questioning about stuff, and we had a Bible story. And it, I, I don't know how it came up. I must have been a TV show or something we saw. And I said, do you know that story? And my son Titus jumped up. He said, that's the story where the guy took a stake, and he put it through the other man's head in Judges 4. And I was like, you remember that story? I said, where'd you learn that? And he said, Pastor David taught me. So he teaches kids the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Let's stand up. I want to pray. <laughs> we'll leave that part out. Hey, I got the kids here. I want to pray over these kids. I want to pray while you're in this room here. Because listen, I'm telling you, God has this amazing ability to do fresh things in new generations, man. And I, I want to pray that over them. So Father, while they're here, we just bless these children. I know you love them so much. We pray for fresh, fresh fire from the Holy Spirit as they're learning this summer, as they're growing. We want to pray over their minds, protect them, Lord, so they would know you and grow in you. And we want to get that seed planted in their souls at an early age so they serve you all their days. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. 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 All right. All right. You all can move on back there and get your candy bars. Give me a hug, bud. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we, we got to have the kids back, and then you can go get them. Hey, it was a great day to be in the house of God. Amen? Amen, man. We love you all so much. want to thank you for coming out. If you want prayer, the altars are open. And I want to challenge you, don't forget to come to church next week. we got my boy Mike Ware in town, and it's going to be a great service. Mike Ware is our overseeing pastor from Denver. He's amazing. We'll have a great time. Love you all very much. Amen? Amen.